In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the third Sunday of Epiphany, and so we're in the middle of this season where we think about and we reflect how God manifests Himself, how He makes Himself known to us, how He makes Himself known to us as individuals, how He makes Himself known to the church, and indeed to the whole world. And you'll remember that last week we saw how he made himself known to the disciples uh, across the River Jordan with John the Baptist. And he introduced himself and John uh, explained who Jesus was and he said, come and see and follow me. And now we're in St. Mark's Gospel and we see them now uh, back to their homes in Galilee. So we had seen Jesus call them uh, along the banks of the Jordan and uh, they did go with him for a period, but then they left and they went back to their homes. Uh, and so this could be surprising for us, you know, that, uh, that they've left him. And, and we see this later on as well, uh, how they do this again. He calls them and he calls them in a very uh, specific way. He calls them uh, about three things, uh, three things that are very uh, interrelated, intertwined. He tells them that the kingdom of God is at hand. And he tells them that they're supposed to repent to enter into the kingdom. And then he tells them they have to believe the gospel. So these are the three things. He tells them the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? It means the kingdom of God is right here with us. It's not the kingdom of God is later. The kingdom of God will come later. It means the kingdom of God is right here, right now. And the way that we get into that kingdom, the way that we become citizens of that kingdom, that we enter into full participation with our king, is to repent. This is what repentance looks like. See how complex that is? It means we were going one way, doing one thing, living our lives one way, and then we stop and we say, oh, that's the wrong way. The kingdom of God lives like this. And we change and we start doing things according to the kingdom of God. We start telling the truth. We start yearning for justice in our own lives. We start doing righteousness, right? We stop serving ourselves and start serving the poor and those that are in need around us, right? We start focusing upon the ways of the kingdom, learning the ways of the kingdom. And it's not just about following rules, but it's about participating in a story. This is the wonderful thing about Christianity, is we're not just a bunch of, of rule followers setting a bunch of old dusty rules, but we're participating in a story. We're participating in a story called the gospel. The gospel is the good news story. It's the good story. The story is God made us, and he made us to be good, and we stopped being good, and God's response was to become one of us, to help us to be good, to show us how to be good and to live with Him. See, if I was telling the story, I would have told it, God made us, He taught us how to be good, we weren't good anymore, so He punished us. But that's not what He did. He became one of us in Jesus Christ and He teaches us, He shows us, and He gives us the Holy Spirit so we've got all the strength and all the wisdom that we need through the Spirit to live in this kingdom story, to live in this gospel story. And the story that's being told is not just books of the Bible, right? Sometimes we think the gospel is these four books, or it's the story uh, about Jesus after the Old Testament, but this is the only story that God tells, the good news story. 
The good news story about us leaving and him bringing us back. The good news story is the story that Jeremiah is teaching. 580 years before Christ is born in Jerusalem, while they're being sieged by the Babylonians. Right? And the Lord says, you're being sieged by the Babylonians. They're coming and they're going to take your property. They're going to take your kingdom and they're going to take your land. Because we had an agreement that you would be my people and I would be your God. And the consequence of you breaking that agreement is, I'm no longer your God. And you've exposed yourselves to all the evil of the world. Right? If you live in my house, you're under my protection. But if you go outside of my house, you're not protected anymore. You've gone away from me, and now you're subject to the Babylonians. And the Lord doesn't say, I'm punishing you because you've broken these rules, but he said, you've left this relationship that we've been in. Because again, this isn't about rules, this is about a relationship that we have with God. And the two primary ways that he talks about this relationship is marriage, right? The relationship between a husband and a wife, right? It is lifelong and it is faithful, right? And the relationship between a father and a son. Right? The, re- the relationship between a child and a parent. Now there's lots of ways that the Lord talks about this. He talks about us as being sheep and him being a shepherd. And there's lots of other ways that he tells it. But the main relationship that the Lord tells is this husband-wife relationship and the father-son relationship. And here in Jeremiah he says... My goal is for you to live in a pleasant land. Now this doesn't mean a place in geography. We're not all going to open our maps and say, okay, where's this pleasant land that the Lord sends us to? This is about the pleasant land being this relationship with God. It's this gospel story. It's participating with the Lord in this gospel story so that we can enter into the kingdom of God. Jeremiah calls it a pleasant land. He says, I would give you a pleasant land, a heritage, most beautiful of all nations. You would call me my father. See, some people think that the first time that said is with Jesus, but the Lord's always been inviting us to call him our father. And to be faithful sons. What are faithful sons? Faithful sons are ones that say, okay, dad, what are we doing today? Right? What's our plan today? What's our project today? What are we going to do? And enters into that relationship with enthusiasm. Right? We want to do what our parent wants us to do. We're we're glad to be with them. And this is the relationship the Lord wants to have with us. He doesn't want to be the kind of parent that has to threaten and warn. He wants to be this dad that says, let's go and do something wonderful together. I want to give you this pleasant land where you'll live according to my ways, where you'll be just and you'll be telling the truth and you'll be good and you'll be generous and you'll be wise. This is the life that I want for you. And this is what Jeremiah proposes. And he says to do that, we have to be circumcised. Again, Sometimes we think that this idea of circumcision being spiritual is just in the New Testament and the Acts of the Apostles, but Jeremiah spells it out right here. And the wonderful thing about it is that now it's not just for men, right? Physical circumcision is for boys, right? But the Lord is opening this relationship. It's not just for sons, it's for daughters, it's for women, because the circumcision is not physical. He says, remove the foreskin of your hearts. That means all the excess, anything else that we would love other than the Lord, right? It's our responsibility, it's my responsibility as a husband not to let any love come between me and my wife, 
Right? If I allow something to come between me and the love that I have for my wife, that's because I've let that in, right? That doesn't start with an act. It starts with a thought, doesn't it? We start thinking about, well, maybe there's something else I could have or someplace else I could go. And we do the same thing with the Lord. Sometimes we start to think, maybe my bank account will give me safety. Maybe my political party will give me meaning. Maybe my job will give me a, a purpose in life. Right? All these other places we can go to get purpose and meaning in life, to get value for who we are, to get people to tell us that we're right and we're good. And the Lord says, that's my job. That's the relationship that I will have with you because I've made you and I know you and I find you good and no one can love you the way that I love you. Nobody will know you the way that I know you. He knows the secrets of our hearts and he loves us still. And so he says, remove everything that would come between me and that love for you. And St. Paul says, when you come to the Lord in that relationship, we're not looking for, am I going to get married to somebody new? Am I going to get divorced? Am I going to get my freedom? Am I going to enter into slavery? St. Paul says, forget about all of that and forget about circumcision, this fleshliness. Uh, He says, uh, what? He says, circumcision is about what? It's about doing the commandments of God. What does he say? Keeping the commandments of God. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. And not just keeping them like, okay, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. But out of a love, a hunger, a thirst for God's ways. And he says, don't enter into any relationship that would put bondage that would put some kind of bondage in our lives, where we'd be responsible to somebody other than the Lord. He says, seek freedom in the Lord. And that includes debt. Because as soon as we start going into debt, we become slaves to the lender. So everything that we do is about freedom in Christ, so that we are free to be obedient to Him. Isn't it strange that they went back to Galilee? They met Jesus. He said, come and follow me. And then what happened? Next thing we know, they went back home to their jobs like nothing had happened. And did the Lord say, well, forget about you. You had your chance. He follows them up to Galilee. And he goes to them again. And he says again, come and follow me. They do it again after the resurrection. After Jesus resurrects, what do they do? They go back to Galilee. And what do we find Peter doing? He goes back to fishing. And where does the Lord go? Back to Galilee. Back to Peter. And you remember they have breakfast together. He goes back again. St. John Chrysostom says the Lord is the best fisher. Right? Because fishermen, what do they do? They cast out their net and their line and they bring the fish in. And the fish swims back out and they drag the fish back again. And the fish goes back out and they bring them back. The most patient people you'll ever meet. Fishermen. Letting them go out and coming back. Sometimes we're harder on ourselves than anybody else. We say, oh, I should have answered the first time. I should have done what the Lord told me to do the first time he told me. I should have been obedient the first time I met him. The apostles weren't. And what does the Lord do? He comes back for them again and again and again. 
because of his love for them. He is coming back for us again and again and again because he loves us. May we be fishers with him. May our love for one another and those people that do not know the Lord be so strong that we're able with patience to invite them again and again to know him and to worship him so that we may all dwell with him in his sacred vessel, the church.